I was backstage at the Singing Christmas Tree a few years ago. I was ready to take the stage to perform. Hundreds of singers and actors and acrobats, orchestra members, all waiting for me to take the stage. I had 2,000 people in the audience waiting for me. So there I am, in the wings of the stage, ready to, to enter. And one of the showrunners leans over to me and says, Hey, Simon, your breath is terrible. You need to take care of that. An instant dread falls over me. No, how long has it been like this? And, and has everybody I've talked to tonight noticed? Who, who have I talked to tonight? And if this lady is the only one willing to tell me about my bad breath, it, it must be really bad. So I do that thing that everyone does when trying to, to tell if they have bad breath. I try to catch it in my hand and then shove it up my nose so I can smell it. <gasps> But as you know, it's, it's next to impossible to smell your own breath. Your nose is so used to smelling your own breath that, that you become nose blind to your own stinky scent. Luckily, for the next few minutes that I was on stage, the only people close enough to me were the other actors in the scene with me. They're the only ones that had to smell my foul breath before I could leave the stage and, and finally take care of my bad breath. Has something like that ever happened to you? Has, some, has someone ever spotted something in one of your blind spots and had the courtesy to let you in? Maybe it was spinach in your teeth after a lunch meeting or, or toilet paper stuck to the bottom of your shoe when you, when you exit the washroom. See, initially, I was mortified when the showrunner came up to me and called me out on my stinky breath. But then I later came to realize, once I got over my own hurt pride, that she did me a huge favor. She loved me well. Later, I returned to that showrunner and I thanked her for having my back and for looking out for me. Now, every time I see this person around the church now, I think back to the kindness that they extended to me. And I, I think back to myself, I know that I have a true friend in Janice Alexander. What is it about negative feedback that is just, it's so hard to receive? What if someone isn't commenting on spinach in your teeth or, or toilet paper on your shoe or, or your stinky breath? What if they're commenting on your job performance, on your parenting style? What about your social interactions? How are you supposed to deal with that? Like the awkwardness, the, the opinions. And what advice, if any, does the Bible have when it, when it comes, and comes to how we should respond? Well, this summer, we're journeying through an ancient book of wisdom in the Bible known as Proverbs. Each proverb is like an ancient tweet, a short, pithy, memorable pearl of bite-sized wisdom. Now, we've already learned that these proverbs are God-endorsed principles, but they are not promises. The book of Proverbs is telling us that if we want our life to go well, these are some general principles we need to follow. If we head in a certain direction for long enough and we heed the wisdom on these pages, your life will look more godly and you are much more likely to succeed. Today's ancient tweet comes from Proverbs 27 verse 6. It says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Now this ancient piece of wisdom, it's all about feedback in your life. And there's three things I want to draw out of this passage that we can learn when it comes to receiving feedback. So number one, when receiving feedback, consider the source. Consider the source. 
See, a true friend's feedback, it can be trusted. They love you and they want to see the best for you. So if it hurts to hear a hard truth or some negative feedback, just know that, that it comes from a place of love and only wanting to see the best for you. See, sometimes hearing feedback, it may even wound you at first. But if it's given to you by a true friend, you can trust it. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Now, on the other hand, someone who is not your friend or maybe even pretending to be your friend, the book of Proverbs calls this person an enemy. This is a person who will never truly be honest with you. They will never tell you any hard truths. They will only lavish on fake compliment after fake compliment after fake compliment. They will pump your tires and, and fill you with hot air only to watch you fall flat. They will kiss your feet and the ground that you walk on only to watch you stumble. They will heap on kisses upon kisses upon kisses or, or multiply kisses only to spit in your face. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. I can't read this proverb about being kissed by an enemy without thinking about Judas. See, it was Judas who betrayed Jesus with a kiss. On the night that Jesus would be arrested and tortured and eventually crucified, Judas, who was pretending to be a friend, he led a pack of soldiers straight to Jesus, identified him by kissing him on the cheek. See, sometimes enemies' tactics are just oh so sweet, but their motives are anything but pure. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So, number one, when receiving feedback, consider the source. But number two, feedback can be useful regardless of the source. Feedback can be useful regardless of the source. Sheila Heen, in her book, Thanks for the Feedback, came up with a phrase for something that I am so incredibly good at. It's something that I do all of the time when it comes to feedback. Maybe you do this too. It's called wrong spotting. Wrong spotting is when if you can spot something wrong within the feedback that you disagree with, you can then safely set aside all of the feedback and completely ignore it and then just simply move on with your life. I literally do this all the time. I'm actually an expert at wrong spotting. If I can find just one thing that I don't like about any feedback that I receive, I normally end up throwing it all away. And if I can't technically find anything wrong with the feedback, I often revert to one of my favorite little lies I tell myself. It's not what they said, it's how they said it. The only problem is, if 90% of the feedback is wrong or wrong-headed or, or came from the wrong source, 10% of it still might be what I need to learn and grow. So when it comes to receiving feedback, know that feedback can be useful regardless of the source. So then the question becomes, well, how do I slow down and, and recognize useful, safe, and reliable feedback in my life? Well. There are many ways to receive reliable feedback, but they all include humility and a willingness to stretch and grow. But there's one way in particular that I want to focus in on, and it brings me to number three. If you want useful feedback, go looking for it. You need to go looking for it. You are much more likely to humbly receive and apply feedback in your life if you've invited it in. 
As a preacher, I've grown accustomed to receiving negative feedback. Now, you might be surprised to learn that not everyone agrees with me all the time or thinks I'm very funny, and they let me know about it. I'm just happy that I'm a safe enough person that people feel that they can air their grievances about me with me. Now, when it comes to negative feedback and my sermons, no one has been more vocal or felt more willing to share with me than my wife. We would be driving home from church on a Sunday and I'd just preach my guts out and Ashley would lovingly point out all the things that I could have said and should have said, but didn't say. And let me tell you, she was not wrong. She would make so many good points. This woman is a genius. The only problem was with the timing. See, on the car ride home after I had just preached the sermon, her specific feedback, it just came too late to make a real difference. If I wanted real, useful feedback, I would have to go looking for it. So in 2016, we started something called the Preaching Lab. Now, the concept of the Preaching Lab is pretty simple. Instead of getting the feedback after the sermon was preached on a Sunday, we go looking for the feedback before it's preached. We pull together a room full of people, some staff and non-staff, preachers and non-preachers, different genders, different ages, different cultural backgrounds. And a week before we preach our sermon on a Sunday, we preach it to this group first. Then, once we finish preaching, the lab goes to work. They critique and feedback. They encourage and correct. They share their opinions openly and honestly. And the final product that's preached on a Sunday is so much better. Every sermon you've heard preached by a pastor at Broadway in the last five years has submitted to the preaching lab. It's become part of our culture here, even so much that as a preacher, I now feel weird about preaching a sermon that I haven't submitted to the lab. Now, it's a bit counterintuitive, right? We tend to think that by receiving negative feedback, we're gonna be more self-conscious, but the opposite is true. I'm actually more self-confident. Not only in the content, is it, not only is the content much better, but, but the confidence and the clarity that is gained, it brings so much strength as well. Okay, so going to your colleagues or your spouse is normally a pretty safe and trusted source to receive feedback. But what if the feedback that they give you is just bonkers? Like, totally nutso. What if the feedback you receive is just way off? What if the feedback that you receive really stings? What, what if it causes a deep wound? How should one respond to that type of negative feedback? A few years ago, I prepared a sermon that I was really excited to preach. I had slaved over this thing for like 30 hours in preparation. It was poetic and interesting and funny and theologically on point and inspirational. I thought I had a real masterpiece on my hands. I preached it for the lab and I awaited their response. Pastor Darren was the first to speak. He says, Simon, great sermon, wrong subject. He went on to graciously point out all of my errors and my flaws and my shortcomings of the sermon. And let me tell you, I felt my pride flare up instantly. Everything inside of me wanted to tell him how wrong he was. I wanted to defend and to deflect. 
receiving negative feedback, it is hard even when you go looking for it. So there I am, standing in front of the lab, I'm feeling absolutely gutted, and the only thing going through my head was Proverbs 27, verse 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. But an enemy multiplies kisses. I had a choice. Either I think Darren is a friend and he wants to see me flourish and, and he wants to see me become a success, or I think Darren is an enemy and he actually wants me to fall flat on my face in public humiliation. I was hurt, but Darren was right. The sermon needed to be better. See, Darren was a friend, a friend that I could trust. So I went home and I had to completely rewrite my sermon. I had to start from scratch. Two days later, I labbed it again and I received much more positive feedback this second time. Now, if you'd like to go back and, and listen to that sermon, you can find it on, I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna tell you what sermon it was, are you crazy? You see, I, I've learned so much from that experience about myself, about my pride, about how I received feedback, and about how wounds from a friend can be trusted. Okay, let's recap. When receiving feedback, make sure you consider the source. But remember that feedback can be useful regardless of the source. And if you want useful feedback, make sure you go looking for it. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Now, there's just one more thing that is absolutely essential when it comes to feedback that I wanna bring up when talking about this ancient tweet. And it's not about how we receive feedback, but how we give it. Some of you feel like you have the spiritual gift of sharing your opinion. And yes, Jesus taught it was better to give than to receive, but he wasn't talking about feedback. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. See, oftentimes this ancient proverb has been used and abused as a way of giving us permission to just lambaste anyone with our own personal opinions and preferences or our own commentary on their life and their choices. We can say hurtful and mean-spirited comments and, and then we hide behind, well, well, the truth hurts, baby. Like, I might have hurt them, but it's just the truth. Besides, don't they know that wounds from a friend can be trusted? See, the Bible also has lots of wisdom to share with us about how to give proper feedback as well. The Apostle Paul reminds the early church in Ephesus that, that they, they must not only speak the truth, but speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15 says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow and become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. See, here Paul is speaking to Christ followers about how to be Christ followers. He says when dealing with and speaking to each other, we need to speak the truth in love. Paul goes on to say that this isn't just for Christ followers when they're dealing with Christ followers. He tells the early church in Colossae that they need to be wise in how they speak and act towards people who aren't followers of Christ. Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace 
and seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. So when it comes to giving feedback, here's the one thing to remember. Just the one thing to remember. If you say the right thing the wrong way, it's the wrong thing. If you say the right thing the wrong way, it's the wrong thing. Now, you might be sharing the truth, but if you don't share it in love, you're not being a true friend. Real friends share hard truths with much grace and understanding. And if you say the right thing the wrong way, it's now the wrong thing. See, saying and doing things in love is kind of a major theme throughout the Bible. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all the mysteries of all knowledge and, and I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and, and give over my body to hardships that I may boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. No matter what you say or do, if you say or do it without love, it's useless. It's ineffective. It's just noise. So if we are giving feedback and it's not done in love, it's useless. It's ineffective. It's just noise. If you say the right thing, but you say it the wrong way, it becomes the wrong thing. Okay, I have a challenge for you. I want right now, I want you to go grab a pen, grab something to write on, okay? Grab a sticky note, maybe a piece of paper, whatever it is. And I want you to write this question down. This question is my challenge to you. And the challenge is not that you would answer this question, but that you would ask it. This week, my challenge to you is to go looking for feedback. Go looking for feedback. I want you to invite a trusted friend to feedback in your life. So if you have a sermon outline in front of you right now, this question will serve as the big idea for today. And this is the question I want you to be bold enough to go ask your trusted friend this week. Are you ready? Ask them, what's one thing you see me doing or failing to do that you think I should change? What's one thing that you see me doing or failing to do that you think I should change? Now, don't ask them to list everything that you're doing that's wrong, okay? The key to this question is one thing, one thing at a time. But what's one thing that you see me doing or that I'm failing to do that you think I should change? And then try to not wrong spot. Try to not let your pride flare up. Try to not be wounded. But if you are, remember, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. See, my challenge to you is that you would ask this question to be brave and bold, to be willing to humble yourself enough so you can grow and stretch. And, and maybe 90% of the feedback that you receive will be absolutely crazy. It'll just be completely nutso but there will be 10% in there that is pure gold. And that 10% may be what you need to start to live a more successful life. Imagine, imagine for a moment if you could be humble enough to ask this question to your work colleagues or your boss, or what about the people that report to you in the organization? Hey guys, what's one thing you see me doing or, or failing to do that you think I should change? 
Now, you should note that just because you invite the feedback into your life, it doesn't mean you have to take it. But just imagine the power in asking this one question to, to some of your colleagues, to some of your direct reports. They won't believe it. They'll be shocked. They won't even know how to respond. Now, imagine. Imagine asking this question not just to your spouse or to your trusted work friends or your colleagues. What would happen if you asked this question to your kids? Hey guys, what's one thing you see me doing or failing to do as a parent that you think I should change? Maybe your coworkers won't give you any feedback, but I have never met a kid that didn't have opinions they like to share. What's one thing? What's one thing you see me doing or failing to do that you think I should change? This one question could revolutionize the way your kids see you, the way they see you as a parent. Talk about a more successful life, right? Now, I know what you're thinking. Simon, wow, this question is so wise. <laughs> How did you ever come up with such an ingenious question that could unlock so many mysteries of living a more successful life? Well, the answer is simple. It was the preaching lab. The preaching lab gave me this question. No, I'm just kidding. The question comes from Sheila Heen in her book, Thanks for the Feedback. But the concept for this question goes back a thousand years before Jesus even walked the earth to one of Israel's greatest kings, King David. Now, King David was the father of King Solomon, the very same King Solomon who wrote the very proverb that we're studying today. You see, King David, he went out looking for feedback, except he didn't ask his wife or his co-workers or his kids. He asked God. King David writes in Psalm 139, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What a big, bold prayer. He skips right over the whole pick one thing. And he says, Lord, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Would you ever invite God into that place in your life where you are open to his feedback, where you're open to his correction or rebuke? Lord, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It is a big, bold prayer to pray because if you pray it, God will respond. The Holy Spirit has a way of revealing to you where you need to humble yourself and where you need to change. So perhaps before you go and ask your coworkers, before you ask your spouse, before you ask your kids, you need to ask God, God, would you search me? Would you know me? Would you test me and, and know my anxious thoughts? God, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. As we close right now, if you're watching this today and you've never asked God to search you and to know you, I want to invite you right now to pray a prayer with me where you can reach out to the God of the universe and you can ask him to be the leader of your life, the forgiver of your sins, and to lead you in the way everlasting. So right now as we close, would you just, wherever you are, would you just close your eyes and simply pray this prayer alongside me right now? Agree with me in your heart. Dear Jesus, 
God, I, I right now am humbling myself and I'm reaching out to you. God, would you know me? Would you test me? Know my anxious thoughts? Lord, would you see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting? Jesus, right now, I want to humbly submit to you, to your lordship in my life, to your design for my life. God, in this moment, I acknowledge that, that I haven't lived a life according to your design. I've lived a life according to my own wants and desires. So Lord, right now I repent. I turn from my way of living. And Lord, I ask that you would come into my life. Renew me from the inside out. Lord, create in me a new heart that would make you proud. God, from this moment on, I want to be known as a child of God, as a follower of the Most High. Jesus, be worshipped today by my life being turned over to you. I ask all of these things in your name. Amen. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer with me, the best advice I could give you, it's the best decision you've ever made, by the way, but the best advice I could give you is to text the number on the screen right now. We have a pastor standing by that would love to chat with you over text and would love to give you the next best steps in a real relationship with the God of the universe. Well, thank you for joining us this week. Don't forget to ask that one question to someone in your life this week. Hey, what's one thing you see me doing or failing to do that you think I should change? Thanks for being with us at Broadway today.